0: Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. I'm Cameron. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Last time, we continued Chapter 21. Morgoth sends forces southward again. Turin and Beleg, the helm and the bow, won fame for their heroics. Through this, Morgoth learned the whereabouts of the son of Hurin, Mim betrayed them and led a band of orcs to Amon Ruth. The orcs slew many of the men at night and captured Turin. Mim took up Anglachal to slay Beleg, but injured the, the injured elf fought him off, and Mim fell, fled. Beleg healed and pursued Turin's captors. He encountered Gwindor, an elf of Nargothrond, who was captured in Ninaeth diad. That's a really hard one to say. But escaped through secret tunnels. Gwindor joined Beleg and they found the orc camp and Turin tied up. Beleg cut his bonds but pricked his foot, waking Turin in fear and rage. Turin took Anglacal and killed Beleg, thinking him an enemy. A fierce storm drove away the orcs. Gwyndor and Turin buried Beleg with his bow but took Anglacal and the Lembas. Gwyndor led Turin to Ethel Ivron, where he was finally able to grieve the loss of Beleg, and was healed of his madness. Then they reached Nargothrond. Today we continue chapter 21, beginning on page 209 of the second edition. At first his own people did not know Gwyndor, who went out young and strong, and returned now, seeming as one of the aged among mortal men, because of his torments and his labors. But Findulas, daughter of Orodreth the king, knew him and welcomed him, for she had loved him before nirnaeth And so greatly did Gwindor love her beauty, that he named her Faeliverin, which is the gleam of the sun on the pools of Ivren. For Gwyndor's sake, Turin was admitted with him to Nargothrond, and he dwelt there in honor. But when Gwyndor would tell his name, Turin checked him, saying, I am ar the son of Umath, which is the bloodstained son of ill fate, a hunter in the woods. And the elves of Nargothrond questioned him no more. In the time that followed, Turin grew high in favor with Orodreth. And well nigh all hearts were turned to him in Nogothrand, for he was young and only now reached his full manhood. And he was in truth the son of Morwen Elthwen, and to look upon, dark-haired and pale-skinned, with grey eyes and his face more beautiful than any other among mortal men in the elder days. His speech and bearing were that of the ancient kingdom of Doriath, and even among the elves he might be taken for one of from the great houses of noldor therefore many called him andan thel the elfman the sword anglacol was forged anew for him by cunning smiths of Nargothrond, and though ever black its edges shone with pale fire and he named it gorthang iron of death So great was his prowess and skill in warfare on the confines of the guarded plain that he himself became known as Mormagill, the Black Sword. And the elves said, The Mormagill cannot be slain save by mischance or an evil arrow from afar. Therefore they gave him dwarf mail to guard him, and in a grim mood he found also in the armories a dwarf mask, all gilded, and he put it on before battle, and his enemies fled before his face. Then the heart of Findulias was turned from Gwyndor, and against her will her love was given to Turin, but Turin did not perceive what had befallen. And being torn in heart, Findulias became sorrowful, and she grew one and silent but Gwyndor sat in dark thought and on a time he spoke to Findulias, saying daughter of the house of Finarfin let no grief lie between us for though Morgoth has laid my life in ruin you I still love go whither love leads you yet beware it is not fitting that the elder children of Iluvatar should wed with the younger. Nor is it wise, for they are brief and soon pass, to leave us in widowhood while the world lasts. Neither will fate suffer it, unless it be once or twice only for some high cause of doom that we do not perceive. But this man is not barren. A doom indeed lies on him, as seeing eyes may well read in him, but a dark doom. Enter not into it, and if you will, your love shall betray you to bitterness and death. For hearken to me, though he be indeed Agawain, son of Umarth, his right name is Turin, son of Hurin, whom Morgoth holds in Angband. Whose kin he has cursed. Doubt not the power of Morgoth Bargleir. Is it not written in me? Then Findulias sat long in thought, but at last she said only, Turin, son of Hurin, loves me not, nor will. Now when Turin learnt from Findulias of what had passed, he was wrathful, and he said to Gwyndor, in love I hold you for rescue and safekeeping. But now you have done ill to me, friend, to betray my right name and call my doom upon me, from which I would lie hid. But Gwyndor answered, the doom lies in yourself, not in your name. When it became known to Orodreth that the Mormagil was in truth the son of Hurin, Thalion, gave him great honour, and Turin became mighty among the people of Nargothrond. But he had no liking for their manner or warfare of ambush and stealth and secret arrow, and he yearned for brave strokes and battle in the open, and his counsels weighed with the king ever the longer the more. In those days the elves of Nargothrond forsook their secrecy, and went openly into battle, and great store of weapons were made and by the council of Turin the Noldor built a mighty bridge over the Narog from the doors of Falagund for the swifter passage of their arms. Then the servants of Angband were driven out of all the land between Narog and Sirian eastward and westward to the Nenning and the desolate Falas. And though Gwyndor spoke ever against Turin in the council of the king, holding it an ill policy, he fell into dishonor, and none heeded him, for his strength was small, and he was no longer forward in arms. Thus, Nargothrind was reeled, revealed to the wrath and hatred of Morgoth. But still, at Turin's prayer, his true name was not spoken, and though the fame of his deeds came into Doriath and to the ears of Thingol, rumor only spoke of the black sword of Nargothrond. In that time of respite and hope, when because of the deeds of the Mormagil, the power of Morgoth was stemmed west of Syrian, Morwen fled at last from Dorlomin with Nienor, her daughter, and adventured the long journey to Thingol's halls. There new grief awaited her, for she found Turin gone, and to Doriath, there had come no tidings since the dragon helm had vanished from the lands west of Sirion, but Morwen remained in Doriath with Nienor as guests of Thingol and Melian, and were treated with honor. Now it came to pass, when four hundred and ninety-five years had passed since the rising of the moon in the spring of the year, there came to Nargothrond two elves named Gelmir and Arminas. They were of Angrod's people. But since the Dagor Bragokalach, they dwelt in the south with Curdan the shipwright. From their far journeys, they brought tidings of a great mustering of orcs and evil creatures under the eaves of the Eredwethrin and in the pass of Sirion, and they told also that Olmor had come to Curdan, giving warning that great peril. "'drew high to Nargothrond. "'Hear the words of the Lord of Waters,' they said to the king. "'Thus he spoke to Cirdan the shipwright. "'The evil of the north has defiled the springs of Syrian, "'and my power withdraws from the fingers of the flowing waters. "'But a worse thing is yet to come forth. "'Say therefore to the Lord of Nargothrond, "'Shut the doors of the fortress and do not go abroad.' "'Cast the stones of your pride into the loud river, "'that the creeping evil may not find the gate.' "'Orodreth was troubled by the dark words of the messengers. "'But Turin by no means hearkened to these counsels, "'and at least, and least of all, "'would suffer the great bridge to be cast down, "'for he was become proud and stern "'and would order all things as he wished.' Soon afterwards, Handir, Lord of Brethil, was slain, for the Orcs had invaded his land, and Handir gave them battle. But the men of Brethil were worsted, and driven back into their woods. And in the autumn of the year, biding his hour, biding his hour, Morgoth loosed upon the people of Narag the great host that he had long prepared, and Glaurung the Uroloki passed over on Foglith, and came thence into the north vales of syrian and there did great evil under the shadows of the erid he defiled ethel evrin and thence he passed into the realm of nargothrond and burned Tullath dinin the guarded plain between narog and tyglin then the warriors of nargothrond went forth and tall and terrible on that day looked Turin and the heart of the host was upheld as he rode on the right hand of Orodreth. The greater far was the host of Morgoth than any scouts had told and none but Turin defended by his dwarf mask could withstand the approach of Glaurung and the elves were driven back and pressed by the orcs into the field of Tumhalad, between Ginglith and Narog and there they were penned. On that day, all the pride and host of Nargothrond withered away, and Orodreth was slain in the forefront of battle, and Gwyndor, son of Gwyllin, was wounded to the death. But Turin came to his aid, and all fled before him, and he bore Gwyndor out of the rout, and escaping into a wood, there lay him on the grass. Then Gwyndor said to Turin, lay. Bearing, pay for bearing, but ill fated was mine, and vain is thine, for my body is marred beyond healing, and I must leave Middle earth. And though I love thee, son of Hurin, yet I rue the day that I took thee from the orcs. But for thy prowess and thy pride, still I should have love and life, and Nargothron should yet stand awhile. "'Now if you love me, leave me. "'Haste thee to Nargothrond and save Findulias. And this last I say to thee, "'She alone stands between thee and thy doom. "'If thou fail her, it shall not fail to find thee. "'Farewell.' "'Then Turin sped back to Nargothrond, "'mustering such of the rout as he met with on the way.' and the leaves fell from the trees in a great wind as they went for the autumn was passing to a dire winter but the host of the orcs and Glaurung the dragon were there before him and they came suddenly ere those that were left on guard were aware of what had befallen on the field of Tumhalad. In that day the bridge over Narog proved an evil for it was great and mightily made and could not swiftly be destroyed. And the enemy came readily over the deep river and Glaurung came in full fire against the doors of Felagund and overthrew them and passed within. And even as Turin came up, the dreadful sack of Nargothrond was well nigh achieved. The orcs had slain or driven off all that remained in arms and were even then ransacking the great halls and chambers, plundering and destroying. But those of the women and the maidens that were not burned or slain, they had herded on the terraces before the doors, as slaves to be taken into Morgoth's thraldom. Upon this ruin and woe Turin came, and none could withstand him or would not, though he struck down all before him and passed over the bridge and hewed his way towards the captives. And now he stood alone, for the few that followed him had fled, but in that moment Glaurung issued from the gaping doors and lay behind between Turin and the bridge, and suddenly he spoke by the evil spirit that was in him, saying, Hail, son of Turin, well met. Then Huron sprang about and strode against him and the edges of Gorthang shone as with flame. But Glaurung withheld his blast and opened wide his serpent eyes and gazed towards Turin. Without fear, Turin looked into them as he raised up the sword and straight away he fell under the binding spell of the lidless eyes of the dragon and was halted, moveless. Then for a long time he stood as one graven of stone. And they too were alone, silent before the doors of Nargothrond. But Glaurung spoke again, taunting Turin and said, <laughs> Evil have been all
1: thy ways, son of Hurin, thankless fostering Outlaw, slayer of thy friend, Fief of love, usurper of Nargothrond, Captain, foolhardy, and deserter of thy kin. As thralls thy mother and thy sister live in (laughs) Dorlomin, In misery and want, Thou art arrayed as a prince, But they go in rags, and for thee they yearn, but thou carest not for that. Glad may thy father be to learn that he hath such a son, and as learn he shall.
0: And Turin, being under the spell of Glaurung, hearkened to his words, and he saw himself as in a mirror misshapen by malice and loathed that which he saw. And while he was yet held by the eyes of the dragon in torment of mind and could not stir, the orcs drove away the herded captives. And they passed nigh to Turin and crossed the bridge. Among them was Findulias. And she cried out to Turin as she went, but not until her cries and the wailing of the captives was lost upon the northward road did Glaurung release Turin, and he might not stop his ears against that voice that haunted him after. Then suddenly Glaurung withdrew his glance and waited. Turin stirred slowly as one waking from a hideous dream. Then coming to himself, he sprang upon the dragon with a cry, but Glaurung laughed and said, If thou wilt be slain, I will slay thee
1: gladly. But small help will that be to Morwen and Nienor. No heed did thou give to the cries of the elf woman. Wilt thou deny also the
0: bond of thy blood, but Turin, drawing back his sword, stabbed at the dragon's eyes. And Glaudrun calling back, swiftly towered above him and said, Nay,
1: at last thou art valiant beyond all that I have met. And they lie who say that we are apart do not honor the valor of our foes. See now, I offer thee freedom. Go to thy king, if thou canst. Get thee gone, and if elf or man be left to take and make tales of these days, then surely in scorn they will name thee, if thou spurnest this gift.
0: Then Turin, being yet bemused by the eyes of the dragon, as he were treating with a foe that could, no pity, believed the words of Glaurung. And turning away, he sped over the bridge. But as he went, Glauwen spoke behind him, saying in a fell voice, Haste thee now, son
1: of Hurin, to Lomin. Or perhaps the orcs shall come before thee once again, and if thou tarry for Vindulias, then never shalt thou see more again, and never at all shalt thou see Nianor, thy sister, and they shall curse thee.
0: But Turin passed away on the northward road, and Glaurung laughed once more, for he accomplished the errand of his master. Then he turned to his own pleasure, and sent forth his blast, and burned all about him. But all the orcs were busy in the sack, he routed forth and drove them away and denied them their plunder even to the last thing of worth. The bridge then he broke down and cast into the foam of the Narog, and being thus secure, he gathered all the hoard and riches of falagund and heaped them and lay upon them in the innermost hall and rested awhile. And Turin hasted along the ways to the north. Through the lands now desolate between Narog and Tiglin, and the fell winter came down to meet him. For in that year snow fell, ere autumn was past, and spring came late and cold. Ever, it seemed to him, as he went, that he heard the cries of Findulias, calling his name by wood and hill. And great was his anguish, but his heart being hot with the lies of Glaurung, and seeing ever in his mind the orcs burning the house of Hurin or putting Morwen and Nienor to torment, he held on his way and turned never aside. <music> at, this is the summary now, at Nargothrond, Gwyndor is recognized by Findulias, whom he loved. Turin is welcomed by Orodreth and he wins renown. Findulias' heart is turned to Turin. Gwyndor warns Findulias of his doom and the curse of Morgoth against the children of Hurin. Orodreth takes Turin as a counsellor, and Nargothrun flourishes and grows in might. Gwyndor falls into dishonour because he continually opposes the council of Turin. Morwen and Nienor at least at last flee to Doriath, but find that Turin is gone. Orodreth receives a message from Ulmo, that peril draws near to Nargothrond, but Turin in his pride does not heed the warning, Orodreth and Turin lead the elves into battle against Glaurung and the hosts of Morgoth, but they are routed and Orodreth and Gwyndor are killed. Nargothrond is sacked. Turin encounters Glaurung who binds him under a spell and accusingly recounts to Turin all his wrongdoing mingled with half-truths and lies. Glaurung sends Turin on a false errand to rescue his mother
2: and sister. Okay at the beginning of that reading you couldn't read like a sentence. Well, I was tongue tied. And then by the end, <laughs> it was like an Emmy award winning
3: <laughs> Seriously.
2: It was tongue tied like mean, I need I'm... a warm
3: up like Yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. It was very impressive and I I part of me was like how is he how is not like. I, I think you started the time. dragon voice and didn't realize how
2: much dragon voice was in this reading. <laughs> I knew there was a lot, actually. Oh, I did really? know
0: there was a lot, but I just, I just thought, you know, go big or go bigger, you know. <laughs> yeah.
2: Because <laughs> you started the voice, I was like, oh, this is so good. And then I looked a little forward, and like, oh, you're like every <laughs> paragraph was a <as> long <laughs> part with Blaurong in it.
0: Yeah, I've been re- I've been uh, reading around this story in, in some of the other. Writings and from this book, which if you, if you listen to our bonus episode, you you heard me and Greg talk from uh, this book called JR Talking, author of the century by Tom Shippey. We're not paid to promote this, but it's excellent, a very good summary of the tour story.
3: But Thomas Shippey and publisher, if you'd like to give us a little kickback, we're yeah, it.
0: why not? We'll take it. We'll take. We'll take it.
3: Um, yeah, very good
0: book. Very. I'm convinced that this story is just like awesome. It's the best story. I love mm. it. It's well, the let's richest. Bre-
3: let's let's uh, break into it. Let's crack op- Crack it open.
0: I okay. So let's just start with. Um, which sh- I. I think. I think one thing that's going to be really helpful for us to do more often, as there's lots of characters, is just get a lay of the land of you know the main characters in this. So. Um, we we have Turin, um, and we and have Gwyndor. and Gwindor, who who are they?
3: Uh, who so, would like to talk? Okay, I'm I'm going kind of off a of memory here, so forgive me, listeners, if I if I err in this. But Gwyndor was someone who was captured and even made a thrall in Angband with other elves, and Gwindor an elf. eventually he eventually did escape. And he's the one who um, he encountered Beleg and he helped Beleg to uh, go to rescue Turin. And then he was actually with Beleg when Turin killed him. Right. And he's kind of, he was, he kind of was weakened in a weakened state when he encountered them after his thraldom, And so he's kind of a, he's an interesting figure because he's, he was a, a great warrior once, but he's kind of um, a has been. Yeah, he's a has been. He's got yeah, a dad. Definitely.
0: He's got a dad bod now, and people <laughs> are, like. Doing... <laughs>
3: and you kind of see that in this in this bit too, when yeah uh, turns like the the strong, and he's and his counsel to Orodreth I think is all like, let's go to war. Let's like, you know, flex our strength and and uh, show show Morgoth what we you know we mean business and he's like more cautious because he's, you know, fallen in battle in a certain sense, but I think that's kind of Gwyndor. So what, what uh, Hmm. We need to talk about
0: Turin as well. A little, just a little bit more about him just to remind yes. people, but, um, and we could do that now, or we could talk about Gwyndor's beef towards
3: Turin. Let's talk about Turin. Let's talk about Turin. Okay. Go, you go ahead, Darren.
2: Well, maybe Cameron should go ahead. No, I don't know what to say about Turin. Just tell tell us who is he and why is he. He is son of Hurin, who was and... captured by Morgoth. Yeah, and Morgoth put him on top of Thangoradrim and gave him his eyes or something like that, so he could see all the torment he's going to issue on his family. So Turin has a sad, sad past, sad family, and he was an outlaw who developed a relation or a friendship with. Beleg strong bow, and they were known as the helm and the bow. And
0: Beleg is a man or an elf?
2: Beleg is a, an elf, I think. Aye. Greg's given me the approval. <laughs> um, you could say and that. that is why it's so tragic that um, Turin killed Beleg on accident with Anglical. Yeah. Um, in, a, in a moment of darkness... You know, a storm's raging, he gets woken up and his his foot is pricked by the sword and he turns and kills Bayleg. So he, he just, tragedy after tragedy, and now he, <laughs> Gwyndor is kind of his only friend, but mm-hmm. Gwyndor is kind of a, just a half person, like Gwyndor is kind of just um, a shell of his former self, it seems. Yeah.
0: So Gwyndor has a little bit of uh beef towards Turin there. There's a little bit of like either a power struggle or jealousy over Findulias. Um,
2: what what are your thoughts about well, that? Well he sees Findulias loves Turin, right?
0: Yeah. But also and like their funny. fighting fighting styles are different, right?
2: Uh mm. her in, or Turin likes open battlefields and just like Give me a sword. Give me and sword. Let Let's me run it. Melee. People.
0: Yeah. Is Gwyndor uh, more of the sort like from a distance kind of?
2: I know that the elves of Nargothrond are because it yes. mentions. Is he in Nar- Nargothrond? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. This is his home, right? I believe so.
0: So there um, might be tension there in the council that Turin's attempting to give. Well,
3: and that's the that's true too in that. Nargothrond is one of the three hidden cities, right? With along with, um, well, with, uh, I forgot Menegroth. that, Greg. So I'm glad you said that. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> well, Menegroth is one in Doriath, right? Yeah. And then Gondolin, and they're kind of, and that's kind of how they all operate: is that they, yeah, they rely on secrecy and hiddenness from Morgoth versus open warfare. And pretty much every time they've tried to meet Morgoth in battle, they've been they, they've had very little success in that front. Um, so th- that makes sense that I, I think in some sense Turin maybe maybe I'm wrong, but someone can I'm curious what you guys think he's he's kind of like um one of those tragic heroes who has nothing left to lose, you know. He's just kind of desperate and willing to just run out into battle because he's, he's he really has nothing to live for. He just has like this darkness surrounding him and he has vengeance, you know, his um, vengeance for Morgoth and all the evil doers. But um, he's not really, <laughs> he's a pretty sad figure. So he's not like, whereas I think Gwyndor, on the other hand, because of his love for Fendulas, um, he wants to be successful in battle and like return home. Whereas Turin is more like, if I die, I die. I'm just gonna go out in a blaze eventually. You know what's kind of resigned to that
2: is with Fin Finduilas or however it's said that said, um, Findy Finduilas. Findi. She Findi against sure. her will falls in love with Turin. Yeah. And Gwyndor is trying to convince her like, you gotta marry an elf, okay? I love you. I'm an elf. And then he says, this man is not Baron. Yes,
3: I highlighted B- that.
2: B-E-R-E-N, the, uh, yeah. the character. So yeah. it, it, it's, it's cool that there's like a lore around Baron. Yeah. Yeah. And there's probably like all these elf women like swooning over the idea of like finding a Baron. It's like, uh, I don't know, like the original Twilight. It's like okay. marrying a vampire. Yeah, I mean, it, but there's more around it. It's like he's not a baron. He's don't think of him as this man who's gonna
0: like I'm be getting jealousy vibes in in him
2: in Gwendol.
3: Well, oh, for sure. I think, uh, I think there is some of that, but I think there is a bit of reason. You know, he's he's trying to protect his home. It, I mean, I think in some sense, Turin is never gonna be as invested in the welfare of men of uh, Norgothron as Glindor is, cause that's his home and he knows what it's like to be taken captive. And so there is like this struggle. There's multiple layers to their, their ten- the tension between them. It's the jealousy of this love. It's the, uh, um, it's like, don't I know what's best for my home? What yeah. does this outsider have to teach us?
2: Which it all comes out. I don't know if we want to skip here, but it's very fitting when when he dies ultimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a. He's like, you know, um, Turin is not rescuing him from death, but taking him out of battle to safety. And then Gwyndor just lets him have it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. Especially as like Gwyndor had saved Turin, right? Like. He, yeah. he he was with uh, what's his face Beleg. so mm-hmm. the, the, he saves him and like wishes that like actually I wish i just kind of left you yeah, there. Yeah, it's so by sad. The <laughs> yeah, um,
2: and now but it's going go to of, crap because of you. Well, it's because of Turin's prowess and his yeah. pride. That's what he says. Like he's so good. Yeah, and and so prideful. Yeah, that I would still have love and life. And Norgath- and a big part of his Nagathrand should stand a while because in his pride he didn't want to defend it like Ulmo told yeah. him.
3: Right, right, right. That's a good point.
0: Yeah, there's there's a great insight in um, this Shippy book um, about uh, basically every time the elves take into their kingdom a man, that kingdom falls. Huh. So each kingdom prospers for. This is a quote from uh, Shippy. Each kingdom prospers for a while, even a long while, till each is located by and willingly or unwillingly acts as a host to a mortal, a man, respectively Beren, Turin, and Tuor. Um, and these these are the different hidden kingdoms: Doriath, Nogoth, oh, and Gondor. Yeah. So it's just an interesting thing, and 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 maybe it is this like man's sort of hunger for power and and his pride in like no i'm good at things look at me impatience impatience um and 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 the ability to kind of win over these almost self-sufficient beings um and somehow like worm their way in there and 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 clearly like almost spellbindingly like, it's a, it's, you're mm. so good at what you do that, like, yes, everybody's going to love you. And then even for Finduilas, or whatever her name is. <laughs> We're um, getting worse at pronouncing Yeah, let's just say name. something different each time. <laughs> Finduilas, Um She, against her will, like, falls in love with this man. Uh-huh. And so it's, like, it's chaotic. Um,
3: it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like the... Flash in the pan, you know, he's he um and that's how he, men are in this world. They they're only around for a time. although let me mention this. I was thinking about this as we read, because we don't hear a lot of year markers in this, but we know that when um when Fanor first came back to Middle Earth, that was around the time that that was the beginning of the first age when the sun and the moon first rose, right around that time, right? and it did say that this was the 495th year since the past uh, since the rising of the moon. Yo, when so did it say that? That's at the very bottom of 211. So, and it's, it's funny because in my mind yeah. these kingdoms or these these great cities of the elves have like stood the test of time in their hiddenness, yeah. they've lasted millennia it feels like. But it's only been 495 years, which is yeah. it's a good point. That that long in the big picture, right? I mean Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's longer will, than will, America's america been alive, so. a... <laughs> Will America last? Will America last to 495 years? Uh, we don't bit, know. Uh, yeah, place your bets. Um, Over under 495 <laughs> and a half
0: years. <laughs> All right. Next next character. Let's go to uh, F- Findulias. Who is she? <laughs> what?
2: Findulias. Oh, I thought you were joking because we just talked about her. You want yeah, to but we didn't. About... We didn't, we didn't tell
3: her about her family history. Well, there's not much more to say, is there? She doesn't, she has a very small part in this. No, there is. I mean, she. Yeah, I mean, Gwyndor's she, girlfriend. <laughs> She's
0: what? <Walter> Sorry, <laughs> Gwyndor's
2: girlfriend.
0: Um, daughter of Oradreth. Okay, daughter of Oradreth. Okay. And Oradreth.
2: All right, it? let's move on to Glaurung, everyone. No, 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 everyone no, wait, Glaurung. wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. These are important. Tolkien wants us to know. Okay. About characters.
3: Well, cool. as far as I'm aware right now, all there is to know about her is that she's the daughter of Aurodresh. Okay. Gwyndor loves her, but she loves Turin, and that's all we know right now. That's all
0: we know right now, right? So Aurodresh, is there anything special about Orodreth? Is he like a king? Yes, he is uh, king yes, of is. Um and he he did Am I right in thinking he did die? We just passed over his death, right? Yeah. He did, did just he die? die in this reading. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. 'Cause a lot of people died, which is the theme of this book. Orodreth was slain on in the forefront of the battle, and Gwyndor, son of Gwilin, was wounded to the death. Yeah. So this is this is sad times. Yeah. Okay, now we can talk about your beloved Glaurung.
2: Cool. Or I, a,
0: as he's called in the common tongue Glaurung.
2: I love this power of the dragons. In Tolkien's work, it's probably not original with him, but I just love that the dragons aren't just huge beasts who spew fire from their open mouths, but they can lure you into a spell. Um, yeah, that is like a terrifying concept.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like it's like proper magic, but it's it sort of harkens to you know. There's like in in even in our world, there's like mythology of. Um, and some truth to it too, that certain serpents, well, there are serpents that do sort of bind their prey into a spell before they mm. strike, you know, thinking of cobras, sure. that kind of stuff that will do a dance that will mesmerize some poor little rodent that will then get struck. Mm. Um, so it, it's that thing, but like massive and like proper magic. Turin is completely spellbound by Glaurung and not only is he like frozen and forced to listen to Glaurung, it's almost like it's almost like there's sort of a Jedi mind trick that's happening over a him where he can't reason out of
3: the words yeah. that are being spoken. And that's, that's really scary. Yeah. I, this, I like this reading of the feature glowing a lot. I think there was a lot there to unpack about who he is and how he operates and what motivates him. And I think um, there's a, he reminds me of a number of different fictional and, and uh, uh, characters and such. But um, <laughs> um, even like his polite greeting, in a sense, Hail, Son of Hurin, well met. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's it's. Uh, Mo- it's like maybe sarcastic moquery. or yeah, yeah. A in a yeah. sense, but it reminds me of the um, the Nazi colonel in *Inglorious Bastards* that's played by Christoph Waltz, who is like not seen that. He, I, he's um, he's incredibly cultured and yeah, right. like very okay. you know. Um, oh, he's 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 like evil, like truly evil, like thrown in in. In uh, Star Wars, sure. I, I'm I am like only vaguely familiar with Thrawn, but I think you're right. Yeah, where he's sophisticated, yeah, yeah. incredibly intelligent, yeah. strategic, yeah. but also just like Polite, bitterly yeah. cold, and and will wield yeah. that to no whatever charity. advantage, right? Yeah, no, yeah. there's no charity in him. It's like and, politeness, um, but it's like there's zero zero charity in it, right? So that's part of Glarong, but something else too in this um, this kind of like spell. This this is pretty interesting. This, this is at the bottom of 2.13, um, where Turin is just kind of petrified. He's there. And then Glaurung speaks again, taunting him. And what he does here is he lays out all the things that Turin has done wrong. Yeah. And some other things that are kind of not really true, like um, deserter of thy kin. That's not exact. I mean, there's like some truth in that because he did run off as an outlaw, but he never left his family really by choice. It was kind of unwillingly. He was taken to Doria as a, as a young man, mm. young boy, I think. And, um and then this is definitely a lie as thralls, thy mother and thy sister live. in oh, yeah. That's a lie. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and so there's this kind of, it's interesting. What it reminded me of actually, this is, this is kind of, I don't know we can unpack this a little bit, but it reminds me of, the gospel of John chapter four, where Jesus meets the, the woman at the well and talks to her and he does something similar, but it's with mercy, not malice where he lays out all the wrongs she that she's is. done. Yeah. yeah. She, he like tells her who she is and what she's done, but with mercy and like tells, you know, and, and um, this is like the opposite of that, which, which is, that is a figure in Christianity. The accuser, right? And mm-hmm. that's what the that's what the devil does. He it's not with mercy that he tells you what he did, it's with accusation. And he tears you down and that's exactly what he does to turn here. Where it's interesting like, because
2: Glaurung he almost sees that this is the way he can defeat Turin because he withholds or maybe he just he wants to play with his food. Maybe that's yeah, all. It that, is. Yeah, that's it. But he he with, he stops his breath like he. There's a line that says he doesn't doesn't breathe his fire, at Turin and and decides to look at him and speak to him, so it's like a a tactic to lead Turin into despair instead of fighting him with right
3: with and that I think power. in a certain sense there's something more destructive in that than simply slaying him, or melting him with fire. And that's I think that's captured in this line at the top of 214 where it says, And Turin, being under the spell of Glaurung, hearkened to his words, and he saw himself as in a mm. mirror, misshapen yeah. by malice, and loathed that which he saw. So this is yeah. it's it's like this this twisting of his own self perception and now he sees himself as as if in a in a funhouse mirror just like distorted and seen only his flaws and none of his virtues and just being he's just in despair in this yeah i think that's like so much worse than simply killing him well i think there's a there's a
0: bigger plan i think glaurong i I'm, I'm not sure if the motive is directly from morgoth if he has specific instructions from morgoth to do this one thing Or he has this, you know, Cameron calls it, playing with his food sort of motive. Um, But his intention is to uh, deceive Turin and then set him on a fool's errand. right? Because he he knows that the disaster that's going to... It's foreboding. The disaster that's going to come is going to be a worse death to Turin than death itself. Um, In fact, this is confirmed for us when Glaurung... Repeats a lie after saying he's not gonna kill him. If thou wilt be slain, I will slay thee gladly, but small help will that be to Morwen and Nienor. No heed did thou give to the cries no of the elf <laughs> <did pass. laughs> to the elf woman. Wilt thou deny also the bond of thy blood? So it's it's like he's playing into the lie that he's already told him, yeah. and
2: he's fueling it to send him on this like errand. Um, and to conclude that, it says for but Turin passed away on the northward road and Glaurong laughed once more for he had accomplished the errand of his master. Mm. Yes. So that is and, where, why he was talking to him.
3: And I do think that that fits what we've heard and that this is part of the curse on the children of Hurin that it's not just that like, this is part of that. That doom that Hearn is subjected to that he has to witness just the falling apart and despair of his children, you know and so in that sense, any it's you know it it would be bad enough to see them die, but it would be much worse for Heron to see them kill each other or you know in mis in mistakes and in deceit, you know, having been deceived. They just fall lower and lower into darkness. Poor Huron. Yeah. He didn't, what did he do? He just fought in a battle. And I know. I mean, it's what? Okay. Maybe this is one point that we could go into at a later time. But many of the high elves and the kings and everybody, they just died valiantly in battle. But Huron, for some reason, has to endure just this torture you know i wonder if there's something about that with men with with men are um capable of certain great things but also of great evils too and and maybe maybe there's something about morgoth that fears and hates men in a particular way gosh yeah i mean a lot of them receive these curses that
0: then play out right there's there's these the curses upon them that you just it's just horrible which actually brings a lot of meaning to um strider's struggle if there was a, if if there was a kind of struggle of like coming to be who he's meant to be as as a king um maybe there maybe there's a like a fear of like the tales of old of the people yeah. who had been cursed like his
2: fathers before him
0: yeah um, yeah. Okay, we are we are we are good. Let's just stop there. So, if you like what you hear, go ahead and rate us three Silmarils out of three. Follow us everywhere at Before the Fellowship. Join the Discord Discord discussion and send any comments or questions to beforethefellowship at gmail.com. Join us next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard: The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien.